Welcome to the Ryan Spells Podcast, where I help local small business owners thrive and succeed in today's market. Okay, so tell me, are you doing, I mean, obviously you're running the magazine. Yeah. But you're, I'm seeing, and maybe you always did it and I just didn't see it, but I'm seeing a ton of the marketing stuff just in general. Is that kind of a new venture you've got or have you always done that? Well, this is my third version of the book, but I wrote it for clients. Okay. And so I wanted for to connection, for help them. Yeah. Okay. When I first started, I was like, man, people don't know how to make ads. <laughs> so then I went and found graphic designers and hired them to help make ads. And then the second thing that happened, I was like, but now people don't even nice, know what to ask for. But they don't right. know what to put in it. Yep. So then, and I got like, at first I would consult everybody on it, you just but can't. then it got big yeah. and I couldn't do it anymore. So how many like, cities okay. are you with now? Five. Okay. And we've stayed at five for a little while, um, just because cost management skyrocketed. Uh, papers up sixty eight percent. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. So, but so then this year, I just I've had a goal to kind of take this and put it into video. So okay. all the videos you're seeing are so it's just pieces of okay. And then I've developed curriculum as well. And then I started doing some public speaking too. So say were you doing some training? Okay. I'm going to be going down there in February. Oh, that's good. Late February. And then I'm doing some consulting, you know, it's just changing a little bit. I know. So it's been a interesting journey. For yeah. 23. So, but I know. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So then, yeah, I need to learn all the things. That's what we're going to do. Okay. <laughs> so I want to, I want to start with a little background though. Okay. Um, and, you know, talk about. So this is Jenny Taylor, by the way, Ryan Speltz. <laughs> and uh, I'm excited for this because you've done some amazing things um, through the heart of tragedy and all those painful things that happened. You've turned it into some really cool things. And you're at a point now, you told me the other day, I don't know if I should keep doing this. <laughs> yep. And, and so that's what we're kind of here to discover today. Okay. And um, there's not really an agenda, so we're just going to go through. I have some tools we'll Perfect. use to help dial in. But Okay. So why don't you give um, listeners, watchers, a little bit of background. The backstory. Yeah. So um, Ryan, I've known you for years. We are in the same church congregation and neighborhood. My husband was a small business owner, a local political leader. He was mayor of our town. He's a soldier in the army. And I've been a stay-at-home mom for a very long time. I help run the PTA. I volunteer at my church and different things. But I haven't been in the workforce, let alone leading anything in the workforce. My husband was killed in Afghanistan four and a half years ago. And life just completely went upside down. And one of the, like you said, that tragedy, one of the opportunities that unexpectedly came out of that was forming a foundation. And a lot of people do that. Someone dies that you love and you want to remember them and honor them. And so you, you organize a foundation. Well, we jumped into the foundation before we organized a thing. Honestly, we just started raising some money for a scholarship in Brent's name at the University of Utah. He yeah. was almost done with his PhD and some, it wasn't even me that started it. It was some, some of his professors and some of his colleagues, students. And once I found out they had the fund, I wanted to help grow the fund. So it was significant. And I had a friend who said, Hey, if you can become 
a tax-exempt charitable organization, people will donate more just yeah. by nature of our tax code, right? right. So I, that's completely how that naive I was. Started. I said, sure. <laughs> so that was 2019. My husband's birthday is in July, and it would have been his 40th birthday. And that's when we launched the Major Brent Taylor Foundation. Super creative name. I yeah. mean, you know, we we were raising money in his name, and that's where yeah. it went. Um it's really grown. We've had amazing opportunities. We've ended up merging with a group that used to be called Follow the Flag North Ogden, mm-hmm. and we uh, hang the giant flag in the canyon for people from the, the northern Wasatch Front area around Veterans Day. We have scholarships that I'm proud to say have grown at the University of Utah and elsewhere. We do a lot with patriotism, and we do a lot with service. So I, I think I was telling you the other day, I want people to be patriotic. I mean, yes, I want them to remember my husband, but... I'm going to remember him no matter what. I don't need a foundation and tax exempt status to remember him. And neither do the people closest to him. This is, that became almost the opportunity that opened the door. It gave us a platform. It's not that we only do this to make sure his name is remembered. So there's, there's that, um, our goal is to have, if people do remember him or learn about him, our goal is to hope that inspires patriotism, hope that inspires service. He was what I would call a servant leader. I mean, you knew him. He, like I said, he owned a business. He ran a city. He was an officer in the military, very service oriented in all of that. He knew the real power of leadership and connecting with people was serving with them, rolling up your sleeves and getting to work. So we try to foster patriotism and I love nothing more than creating service opportunities for people. Yeah. So we host events that we could probably plan more efficiently with hired staff, but we don't. Yeah. We outsource it to 400 random people in the community that want to help. Right. And it's, you know, it, awesome. it, it's a ton of work, yeah. <laughs> but it lets a lot of people work. And I think especially in this, you know, we're, Brent died right before the pandemic, before race riots and, and all kinds of things. We live in a very different world than the one I lived with Brent Taylor in. And it's only been a few years. Not only has my world personally changed because I'm no longer, you know, doing a lot of the things I used to do day to day. I'm doing different things. But our world has changed. Our country has changed. And it's important to me that in that change, we help at least our communities locally here come, come together and realize the best chance you have of building a sense of community is to work together. You see that in tragedy, right? We had sure. windstorms a couple of years ago. And when the windstorms came, everybody's out helping each other pick up the downed trees and chop the wood and clean up yeah. the mess. There's a tree across my road, right? There. Right there. <laughs> and, and But you bonded with people you might otherwise have passed at the grocery store and never really had a connection with. So uh, we, we try to look at how serving together builds a sense of community. And I hope in that sense of community comes a sense of patriotism. I love this country. We're not perfect. I would never say we are perfect. I don't think anyone who's ever really loved America would claim perfection. We have a lot of room for improvement. But I think that's what's great about our country. We're constantly trying to improve. Like you can look at our history and say, oh, my goodness, there's some things I don't love. Isn't it great we've changed? Isn't it great we are a more perfect union every generation and trying to be better? Um, You know, I, I loved this country long before I was married to a dead soldier. And in fact, my love for this country and Brent's love for this country is largely what drew us together. So some people think that my husband died and so now I have this newfound cause to make sure I remember the army forever. When in reality, 
I felt this way for most of my life. I know Brent felt that way. It's important to us as a family. And now his very unexpected death has given me and some of our closest family and friends opportunities to give a voice to the causes that have mattered to us forever. So that's us in a nutshell. I think, you know, the patriotism, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's why Brent went. Oh, for sure. He was a serving active mayor, first Mm -hmm. active mayor to go serve in active duty military. He was a member of the National Guard. And when the call came out that they needed more, they needed leadership. He had seven children at home. He had just had had his or was she even born? yet? Oh, she was born. So, you know, and Ryan, I think that's the interesting dynamic to this story. So Brent sometimes ran for office, sometimes deployed, and sometimes we had a new baby. Each of those three (laughs) things like pepper through the timeline of our time together. And each of those things, I'm not going to lie, created some conflict when we announced them, even sometimes to our close family and friends, when we would say, hey, he's going to deploy or hey, he's running for office or hey, we're having another baby. Because we are a busybody people by nature, we would get comments like, are you sure? (laughs) If he were deploying, people would wonder if, is there something wrong with your marriage and he's running away? When he ran for office, people accused him of being vainly ambitious. And um, when we had a baby, people were like, are you sure you've got so many? (laughs) And um, so those those things were obviously very personal decisions he and I made together that I will admit it surprised me when he died. Those three things became what people heralded about him. Mm -hmm. And they really became what opened the opportunity for me to now speak to some of those things, to motherhood and patriotism and public service, whereas before... I almost felt I had to hide them or explain them or tiptoe around them. And that's actually given me a newfound sense of personal confidence that we knew we'd made the decision that was right for us. Everybody didn't have to agree. I didn't need to worry as much what other people thought, but that's hard. You do worry what people think, and especially when they're people close to you and big decisions. So now when... Brent was killed. He was the first sitting politician killed in action since the Civil War. He's the father of seven kids, mayor of a small town in northern Utah, and I have bright red hair. So all of those factors led to, um, you know, media opportunities. People would recognize me. I I joke all the time if I'd been blonde, I think I'd blend in a little better. (laughs) But when you're that one mom with seven kids and I've got the bright red hair, it's you you see it. It's standoutable. Right. And so as much as it would have been, you know, maybe in a different life, nice to just go home and hide. I think I recognized something within me and and for me from God and, and even from Brent and his legacy that. We had an opportunity to do something, and it was a choice, yeah. go home and hide, or there was a door to walk through, and I, I didn't know where the door led. I still don't know, but I, I walked through the door, and that's where we find ourselves now. What's interesting to me is, I mean, I, like you said, I, I knew you, I knew Brent, I knew you before. I'd seen you at church. I'd sure. seen you in the community, and, uh, you know, you seemed dynamic, but... I wouldn't have guessed that you'd be a powerful public speaker, but you are. I've seen you on multiple occasions <laughs> well, speak, thanks. and you like they use sound bites of yours on newscasts and stuff, you know. Because I'm like, wow, she nails it, and I pay attention to those things. And oh, so I think that's, that's nice of you. I but I think that's fortuitous. 
it's, sure. it's something that most people probably wouldn't be able to do, but you've taken that mantle and said, I'll take it. I'll take it. it. I walked through the door. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, I, I never set out to be a public speaker. I never set out to run a foundation. But one thing I feel like maybe if I've done anything right in the past few years through all the mistakes we've made and the struggles we've had, I feel like I've been willing to take an opportunity when it comes some of those opportunities are terrifying. Um, some of those opportunities are overwhelming. Most of them are. Yeah. You know, speaking to the media, public speaking started with speaking to the media. Brent was killed on a Saturday. And by protocol, you're supposed to get 24 hours as a family before, between when you are notified and when the public is given the name. Well, in today's world, that just doesn't work because of social media and how right. quickly things spread. And so... I was notified, you know, mid-morning Saturday. We sat down with the kids a little while later after I'd had the initial briefing, so midday. And so they scheduled the official press conference for noon the following day, which would have been Sunday. And I was ready to go. I'm like, if anybody's going to speak to this family, it's going to be me. And then I was advised, you probably should just let the military and the media handle this. And so, great, I'll stay home. And I remember watching that press conference. The media locally showed up on my door that evening for a press conference my sister helped orchestrate. But the first time I spoke personally to the national media was at 8.30 in the morning on Sunday. Hmm. Before the press conference, before the local news was at my house, someone from New York called my cell phone. Wow. And I answered it. And I look at that. You can call it fortuitous. I, I see, again, I'm a woman of faith. I see God's hand guiding my life and definitely a higher power involved, not only in the doors that have been opened, but the strength I've had to walk through them. I'm not a trained public speaker. I'm a high school teacher, but I taught two years before I stayed home for 15 with kids. Right. Right. And I like to talk. That's no question. <laughs> but but I, you know, I would find myself, that phone call with the national media led to a meeting with lots of national media right outside of Dover Air Base just a couple hours after Brent's body was transferred back home, home to the United States. And I, I certainly never would have orchestrated that myself. The military never would have asked me or put me on the, on right. the spot like that. Uh, you know, no way. And, um, but that door was open. That reporter called. She said, is there any way we can talk with you when you're in Dover? I said, Okay. And, and that just snowballed to so many opportunities where I'll tell you, Ryan, I know what I feel for this country. Everything I've said is 100% sincere and heartfelt. Nobody's written my speeches. I've written them all. But there have been words that come out of my mouth that were not mine. Yeah. There's sometimes in my early, early speaking opportunities where I sat down and thought to myself, I hope somebody recorded that because that was amazing. And I knew it wasn't me. Yeah. I knew it wasn't me. You know, in a faith context, I I believe God can guide through his power and his words. And and um, I felt almost as if I was an inspired pastor or clergyman being given direct words from not me that resonated. And it didn't just resonate with other people. It resonated with me. Like I was saying things that I knew and I'd always believed and thought, and yet now I was given the ultimate chance to put my money where the mouth is, right? That phrase, like, I believe freedom is worth dying for. Okay, do I really? Right. Do I believe it's worth dying for if it's my husband that dies? Right. Or the father of my seven children? So that first year, 
I didn't say no to a single invitation to speak. I, I went around the country. I went wherever. And I remember very clearly thinking this first year is not mine. This first year belongs to America because America lost a soldier that day. I mean, I'm sure you feel the same when you hear a news story about a, a soldier or police officer being killed in the line of duty. It hurts, right. even if you've never met him. Right. Even if you don't know about his family, you still hurt for his family. That's that shared. Yeah. We all own the soldiers. Right. We own America. They belong to us. And and so, but that first year, all I did was go where I was asked to go. And when they would say, Mrs. Taylor, would you like to say something? I said something. Mm-hmm. And again, back to that, that early thought I had that if anyone's going to speak to our family, why Brent would deploy, how we feel about America, what this means to us, well, it's going to be me. Because yeah. if I didn't say it, somebody else would think what I said and put words in my mouth. And yeah. I didn't want them to do that. So, but yeah, so now I, I speak and lately I've even gotten paid to speak a couple times. Nice. I mean, public speakers can make a lot of money, yeah. certainly more money than I can make as a full-time school teacher sure. if I go back into the classroom. So, but, but even more than the, the money or the spotlight or whatever, to me, it's a chance to share a message. And so even still to this day, people call and ask if I can speak at a church thing or a scout thing or a school thing. Sure. Yeah. If you'll listen, I got something to say, and I hope That's it cool. resonates with people that it's not just me telling my story, but it's representative that we all have a story and really we share a story and each of us needs to find our part in that big story. So cool. the human story. I'm, uh, I'm listening to a book right now called uh, This Is Marketing. It's by Seth Godin, and he is talking about, in the beginning chapters, he talks about how everything we do is marketing. Huh. Every conversation you have. You know, if you're a school teacher and you're teaching a lesson, sure. the better you are at negotiating how to present that and get people to listen, the better the marketing message. Same thing with public speaking, same thing with yeah. anything we do. So that's actually the focus of what we're going to do today. Okay, is good. To come up with your... Um, in. You know, old school marketing terms is called the USP, unique okay. selling proposition. Okay. Some people today call it the differentiator. Okay. Um, I call it a one-line story because your story of your business is what motivates people to be interested in you, to engage with you, and to do the things that you're trying to market to them. And, okay. Um, sometimes marketing can have a little bit of a negative connotation, like you're trying to be sold. Right. Your sales. Right. Sure. And I'm a salesman by by trade that's mm-hmm. been what I've done forever so I don't have that same negative connotation but I think it's important to understand that marketing is just a negotiation to say I have something of value mm-hmm. if you find it valuable too right right we can do this together I and I agree 100% and I I look at that I think everything is marketing I do a lot with PTA I've said that yeah. public school sometimes some of the friction or conflict that comes up between school leadership or even state leadership and everyday parents I'm like it's just a messaging problem. It's, right. it's just communication. Right. It's mar- they did, If you could market that differently or people say, oh, such and such idea will never work. Like, well, what if we present it in a way that it does work? Right. And it's not manipulation or gainsmanship, right. but there's a way to... I love how you said, I have something of value. Can I help you see that it would actually be a value to you? Because I think whether we say it out loud or not, every one of us is constantly 
even subconsciously analyzing what's in it for me. Right. What's in it for me? Um, do, do I find value in exercising? Do I find value in eating right? Do I find value in volunteering at the PTA? I right. mean, yes, we're service minded, which is what we're all about. But right. I believe that service mindedness actually helps me in the way that going to the gym or eating healthy helps me as well. So yeah. let's talk. Let's figure it out. So let's go through this. But before we dive in, um, tell us what the main activities you do. I know, I know what they are or yeah. some of them, but this is where it gets so hard. Cause so I'm like in a, in a giant it funnel. Might need to be, yeah. Uh, so, so one of the things we do throughout the year that has several subsets involves flags and that's a very visible display patriotism. If a soldier deploys or comes home, we can line their street with flags. If a service member or veteran passes away, we take flags and put them all around the cemetery. November, we fly the flag in the canyon and thousands of people hike up to see it. Giant flag. Football games. So there's one flag. We call them flag missions. How many people does it take to carry it up the mountain? We have about 100 people that that carry the flag at any one time. Um, So they put it on their shoulder. They do. They hike up. This is Utah. We'll show pictures of the mountains. Beautiful mountains. We have a lot of pictures of that flag. Yeah. And it's, you know, the flag 75 by 150 feet approximately. So it's, it's the kind of flag that you would see at the Super Bowl on the field. This isn't just that big flag on the giant grocery store flagpole. This is way bigger than that. But then we have smaller, bigger flags that we sometimes hang off of buildings. For example, sometimes in a display of patriotism for community rodeo days or what, we'll hang it off the bank or the hospital. But Sometimes early 2020, we hung up from a couple hospitals because of the pandemic and the way our healthcare workers were being taxed. And as a show of appreciation to them, we flew the flag. We literally draped it from the side of a few of those hospitals. So that's cool. lots with flags. So yeah. flag missions is one. Um, one thing we do that's almost now become in the background is our scholarships. But the foreground of the scholarship vein, we call our training arm. We train either by offering scholarships that you can get professional educational training or my public speaking. And one particular thing we do that I would love to see um, shared, we've developed a leadership module, which I know there's a billion of them, so I'm not saying ours is the best. Ours is one of them. But it's a unique one because it's based on a high school speech Brent gave in 1997 as student body president or as a 17 year old kid he gave five points of like you know how to live happily ever after basically and you can take those five points and I've taken it into high schools or corporations and and shared those five and then we share what my five would be but then the real point of it is to let people discover their own five kind of your five guiding principles so it's leadership from an inside reflective status so the scholarships and leadership training, you know, if, it, if it's at a high school, if it's at a business, something like that. And then... Um, Who would benefit from that training? Well, I, I... Like at a business, what would what would the training be focused on those five points? So so the five points, just so you know, there's we've got decision-making, work ethic, relationship building, um, per, perseverance. I always forget one. Um, self-confidence. I know I did them out of order. (laughs) Like self, not so much self-confidence, but like your personal value system. Brent calls it believe in something. And so you could, you could take a team of executives and say, okay, we're going to look at what drives us as executives for how we lead our people. You could take a group of high school sophomores and say, how are you going to make your decisions for the next 40 years, particularly the next five or six at that young age? Uh, You could take, I mean, I could take a group of stay at home moms. I once gave this presentation, probably one of the best I've ever given to a multi-level marketing group of 
sportswear ladies that it was yo they were launching their yoga line yeah. it was a clothing company that was MLM and I had some of their top salespeople in the room and applied this and it was it was amazing awesome. so who would benefit everyone I know that's a blanket statement but my goal would be to target um, high school youth you know again I'm a high school teacher I'm a mom I would love to help younger Americans find find some direction that guides their life in a way that they they have maybe some guiding principles for themselves you know and it, it can go hand in hand with your philosophy or your religion or, or what but it's almost a practice of reflection to say what what do I believe what will guide me and then I, I think the same principles could help people in a grieving situation, which I know is two completely different worlds. Leadership and focus and goal setting. But I've drawn a lot of strength from those words from the, I mean, the younger version of my husband before I ever knew him. Now that I'm a widow and I'm trying to overcome the walk through grief and raise kids. So it's really adaptable, but my focus would be getting in with, with local high schools or with their educators, because I believe that in impacting the educators mm -hmm, in impacting the educators, you impact the youth, right? Right. Okay. So you have flags, mm -hmm. fellowship, education, training. And then, and then the other is we've stumbled upon some really cool, um, community events, one of which is a 9-11 commemoration. That's my favorite. And that's that's becoming like, this might take over. This might be what we do. And it started in 2021, which was the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And I knew that lots of things would be happening in New York and D.C. And, and some of the bigger cities in the country to commemorate that day. So I called our local sheriff and said, hey, sheriff, do we have anything? Thinking he's over law enforcement and, and closely connected with the fire world, firefighters, and then, of course, military and he wasn't aware of anything. And so I sat down and had a quick conversation with the different mayors from our county and said, hey, we certainly aren't trying to step on toes if you're already doing something, but I think we should do something. Yeah. It was January. Nobody was yet planning September. So we jumped in and we've created kind of a pop-up museum with a community resource fair, again, with service-oriented organizations and then a touch-a-truck parking lot where there's the fire truck, the ambulance, the Humvee. So it's it's inspirational and educational, and then it's a chance to connect with opportunities to serve locally, and then it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. So it, it's kind of all of those. So we first year was in Weber County, which is my home county. We then went south to Davis County, just next door. We'll come back to Weber County this year, and then we're already talking to a couple different counties that want it down the road. Oh, so cool. every September. Kind of yeah. Yeah. So what we're trying to focus on, and I don't know when. I always just want it here. <laughs> I, oh, and we and we talked about that. Teachers do too. So when we first planned it, it was an open to the public event, which it still is, and it's free. And we thought, well, during the day, people are at work and kids are at school, so we probably won't be very busy because people can't just come. So as a side opportunity, we thought, well, maybe let's just invite a few schools to come on field trips because we're open, we're there, we sure. might as well. Now... After we've done this twice, two years in a row for about a week each, we've realized, no, this is a field trip. And it's open in the evening if you want to come with your family. So right. our focus has become that educational Schools. piece. In which case, you'll never run out of an audience, right? Right. Because you always have more kids and they're right. older. The same teacher could come every single year and he or she has a different classroom full of children or young teenage children. So that's, that's kind of one of the bigger things we do that I think has great potential um, to 
keep going, right? You won't, it won't ever expire. 9-11 will always be 9-11, regardless of how many years pass. And then an, another thing that we've worked on community-wise is we found ourselves involved with several veteran memorials and monuments. Yeah. So Gold Star families or living veterans or past service veterans. It's a beautiful one at the George Wallen home in Ogden that's for all wars veterans. And we haven't done all of these or run all of these or certainly had the idea for all of these, but we partnered with the different communities and either helped fundraise or helped with awareness. Like those monuments can be anywhere from twenty to a hundred thousand dollars or more. And a lot of the service organizations that are putting them in will partner with them and say, hey, we'll help you. Let's find the money. Let's fundraise. And that has led to um, a new event this year related to that. For the Global War on Terrorism, there is a national monument at Fort Benning in Georgia. And so we're in the process right now. I just got a couple bids yesterday for chartering a flight. We are looking to take families like mine who lost a service member in the Global War on Terrorism families who live here in Utah, take them to the ceremony in Georgia where that wall is and see their names, their son or their husbands or whoever's name is on that wall. So um, when we quantify what we do, I put it into three categories, train, honor, and engage. That's our mission. Train service-oriented leadership, and it might be by saying, hey, I'll give you some money to pay for your college and a scholarship. It might be, hey, I'm going to hold a workshop and you're invited, but training... Honoring is anything military, medical, fire. Our 9-11 event is a huge honor event. But then the last word, engage, I think underlies everything we do. Like I said, we we host 9-11 with like 400 volunteers who've mostly never met each other. And I might not see them again a lot in the future after. We could... We could raise a little more money, hire a couple event planners, and just turn it over to them. That's not how we do it. We engage people in service. I think that's awesome. And that's what we love. So, Okay. So basically, I, you answered some of the questions already, so I just okay, started good. writing. Yeah, please help. Yeah. Basic, so I'm going to read this paragraph to you. Hey. So your USP or your one-line story, yeah. it's it's more than this because here's, here's the challenge. Even though these are powerful to you, yeah. when you say to someone— what do you do? And you say, we train, honor, and engage. They have no idea what that means. Mm-hmm. It's too vague. Too sure. So sure. We, we need to focus in on a sentence that okay. gives you the ability to say, this is what we do. And people instantly know, and they almost as instantly can know, I want to engage with that. Right. Right. Is this a good fit? Okay. Right. So I'm going to read this paragraph. A unique selling proposition should be short and real. Don't claim something you can't back up. It should highlight your strengths. Touch on what your customers like about you, or in this case, your you know supporters. Sure. And use powerful wording to say it concisely. This is much more than a slogan, and it's much more specific than we create high quality products or train, honor, engage. Right. Although those are great, and yeah, you that's don't like need to slogan. get rid of sure. them. Sure. They're a slogan, which is so vague it almost means nothing. Exactly. It can also be easily used by a competitor. So your USP needs to be uniquely yours, and it needs to gather that information into one sentence. So here's that's where I'm in over we my head, Ryan. These. We're going to go through these questions and we're going to hone okay. in on something. Thank you. It does not have to be done today, Sure. but we can at least have the framework of it and you'll develop it. I just did one with uh, Charles Alstrom. He's in the training oh, good. locally. Okay. And it took us a while to get there, but we Terrific. got there and there was a breakthrough. Okay. And then he went home and the one we came up with here was 50, 50, 
um, isn't as fair as it sounds because he is a women's advocate. So he helps mm. moms who often, Utah is actually pretty judicial that way. They sure. like having things be 50-50. Right. But when the mom, in, like in your case, right. 15 years of being at home, you didn't pursue your career. No. You didn't have the same career. I, I didn't contribute to Social Security. Like right. I have nothing that's my own. Exactly. Yeah. So because of that, he's like, well, then 50-50 isn't fair in those cases. Mm. So that was his his years uh-huh. he left. It okay. changed to 50-50 isn't always fair when he got okay. home. Because, of course, there are some times when 50-50 might be fair. Sure. So he honed it in. So you're going to do that as well. Okay, so, so here's what, and I don't know if this needs to be cut out of the podcast or kept for another day or what. I would love, I love doing this for Brent's foundation. Okay. I think I would also love to do it for myself as a public speaker. Okay. Because that's where... Um, you know, I, I pay sure. I pay a lot of attention. I'm watching your videos on on TikTok and different places, and I'm watching what different influencers do. And it's in my head, it's kind of the chicken or the egg. Do I promote the foundation, and then on the side, I'm doing some things, or do I take some of the things I'm doing that naturally fit the foundation? And the fact that I have built a persona benefits the foundation, and and yeah. they're very complementary. Toward each other, I will say on so the foundation. Is your public speaking going to be a for-profit enterprise? Like that's going to be. Yes, that's that's the you? only that's okay. the only money I make outside of military survivor benefits. I I'm otherwise not gainfully employed. Everything in the foundation is volunteer, or we don't have yeah. a staff or employees, and I'm I'm happy with that. Like we're. Yeah. But I I, I do a lot of hours of work with that foundation for free, and if I can go get so, a public speaking opportunity, then that helps level out my overall time and compensation. So I would say um, that's something that might take a little bit of deeper thought, but you you have to decide whether, because the foundation can pay you. Nonprofits can pay employees. So that may become your, so I see two different options is what I'm saying. One, you could be an independent public speaker on the side and you can have a foundation, or you can be an independent or a public speaker on behalf of the foundation and get paid every time you do it. And then it also benefits the foundation. Okay. So if you merge those, I don't think you lose anything by bringing those together. Sure. And that's what I need help with the business model wise. And and this just shows my naivety. I, I don't know how to run a business or nonprofit in terms of some of these things. Like if I, am if I am the public speaker, can I get the payment for the public speech or does it go toward the foundation? Do you know what I mean? That um, you can. So that would probably be your sister might actually right. know a little better than from than what I do about the tax side of things sure. and how to structure the pay payment. So um, Christy Pack is her sister. She yeah, owns Pack, a tax. Shout out to Pack Tax. Yeah, Pack Tax. So she she would know better than okay. me how to structure. But from a that side. from a marketing side, you can see those being complementary, not yeah. conflicting. Okay. Yeah, because every speech you're going to give, you can plug your foundation. I mean, it's it's similar to even this. Like I I started doing this because I needed to raise awareness about our public applications, about advertising, about marketing. So um, now in that case, though, I am speaking separately. And the reason I am is because if I ever sold Connection Publishing, I would continue to build my brand and continue to speak. And I think that's where I kind of, I'm aware of that opportunity. Like if I ever... If I turned if public, over the, the right. foundation to someone else, if so, public speaking takes off, if I write a book or yeah. something, is everything to the foundation? And this, not that I'm trying to be greedy or selfish with it, but like I said, this is this is your employment. this is my employment now. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, nothing wrong with that. So, so yeah, keep coaching me on so that because this is all things, new to me. Like if you want them separate, 
they can still help each other. Sure. They just aren't one entity. So I would set up an entity for yourself. I have, I have, yeah, Christy did help me set okay. up. I have a tax EINS corp that is for speaking when I get paid. Perfect. The question is, how do we make them complementary? Whether they're combined or not, how how are they complementary? Because they are complementary in purpose, right? Even if I'm speaking to a, a group on grief or something, yeah. well, I know a lot about grief because of the, grief the foundation yeah. that, you know what I mean? Sure. They do connect, so. So I think it's okay to formulate some of this as you go. Okay. Remember this, your foundation is only as valuable as the brand around it. And you are such an integral part of that brand. I, I've had a hard time, you know, this is just like internal struggles and you may identify with this a little, but I've struggled with being like, why should I be talking about this stuff? Why should I be trying to teach people? And what's fascinating is people who I assumed knew what all of this stuff is, they're coming to me now be- just simply because I'm doing these podcasts. Because you've I'm made it available, videos, right, right. And they're like, can you help me with this? And I'm like, yeah. yeah. No, what? I do. I, 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 I feel <laughs> like I do identify with that. I'll have people asking me, you know, someone I know, their husband just died. What should I do? How can I help? Yeah. Or, hey, can you help me? I have to give a, a public speaking. You know, I'm speaking sometime and I right. need your pointers. I'm like, I... Oh, okay. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So your brand being bigger is going to make the foundation bigger. Right. So Jenny Taylor's brand. Um, so that's, I think that's my question. As you brand the foundation or you brand Jenny Taylor, and this is, again, I'm new to this. Um, I So Connection Publishing, if yeah. you ever sold it, you would want it to still subsist without you. Right. Right? For sure. I don't want to be so much the brand of the foundation that if... I, I mean, eventually I just won't be able to, I'm going to sure. get older and I, you know, what, how do I blend those two to the benefit of the two rather than being, I mean, I had, I had someone recently counsel me about that saying, we got to be careful because if your foundation is too personality driven, it's not sustainable. And I'm thinking our foundation is hundred percent personality driven and we're driving it. So, so I am conflicted. Well, that's true. Um, you know, companies, successful, uh, successful businesses, successful organizations. I just went to an entrepreneur training down in Davis County at Davis okay. Tech. And the trainer was like, successful uh, businesses, successful companies have successful systems. Your systems are mm. going to determine that way more okay, than I love your that. personality. And it's the systems that I lack, I'll be honest. So okay. where do I learn about that? You develop them as you go. <laughs> So anytime I do, you reach have a, a booklet on systems. <laughs> we should make one. We should make one. <laughs> but when when I reach a bottleneck in work, so um, I tend to do a lot. I'm. Uh, That's why I feel like I can talk to you about this. Right. You, I see a lot of this. Like you're, you are carrying it, and you're right. getting the people. But it, it's you. Right. And if you left tomorrow, it right. might not last. So interestingly enough, every time I've bottlenecked, though, I've had to stop and say, okay. What do I need to make this work better? Hmm. When we, in fact, when I was working with your husband, we had a system on Trello, and I just reopened Trello the other day, and I saw his stuff in there, and I was I like, know. "Oh, I just brought up." He like, loved Trello. Those me- his memories. whole life was a Trello board. Yeah, but here's the problem with Trello: when you open your third magazine, which when we did, I was like, "This isn't working anymore." No, you have eighty-six Trellos. Yeah, and so we had to switch from Trello, which I use Trello on other business. Sure. 
ideas, but not. But it doesn't fit every model. The organization, the project management of making a magazine, a separate magazine for each city. I had these every single month. Every single month. Yeah, that is a lot. So I found a software developer, and we had a piece of software built custom for oh, us. Oh wow! That handles all of our stuff. It gives okay. Cities and an individual login so that they can okay. enter their stuff in a private way that not sure. other cities are going to see. Okay. And then we can enter our stuff, the additional content, into right. another section. And then you've got the it all ads gathered. Can be entered into another. So, so it's every building time systems. you reach a bottleneck and you're like, this isn't working. Because every time we collectively as a foundation reach a bottleneck, it is me. Like, honestly. Right. Me too. Right? Same it is. Here. And so I, I appreciate you saying this because it's helpful for me to realize that, because sometimes I'll get to the bottleneck and think, we're just doing too much. We're right. doing too much. We can't do this. No. You're doing too much. We, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing with Blessed Pack Tax. I, Christy, she's grown this massive, um, wonderfully successful tax enterprise. I was talking to one of her employees the other day, and she said, we're growing, and Christy's systemizing things, but but everyone just wants Christy. They want yeah. Christy to do their taxes. Well, she can only fill out so many tax returns turns in a year, but so her team can to the same level. So let's talk about that. Okay. Because I actually just talked to someone the other day and they're like, well, I just want to make sure Christy does my taxes. Yeah. Because we're actually, you're such I know you're good partners. Yeah. yeah we're working That's why together I feel like, on yeah. a business And uh, she's, alliance. I mean, to be honest, she's, she's awesome. a huge mentor of mine, whether she knows it or not. She's been a businesswoman for Super a long time. Impressive. Yeah. And I'm, I've always, we've always been, she's been the career sister and I was like the PTA yeah. sister and we help each other, of course, but... She knows things that so I didn't dynamic. think yeah. I ever needed to know. I'm like, Christy, how do you do that? Christy, how do you do that? Christy, can I just watch you do that? But I've, as I've been in her office, I've seen certain systems. And same thing, when she bottlenecks, okay, let's maybe revamp or just completely recreate right. a system. I don't have a lot of systems. So um, first person I hired had about 12 jobs. Like, I hired him and I said, look, I don't even know what I need you to do. But... We hired her, and then she started helping post things to social media because okay. that was something I hated. Yeah. And then she also started helping with invoicing. Okay. Totally different jobs, right? Sure. And then she also started helping with something. I can't remember. And then she came to me, and she's like, Ryan, I want more opportunity. And I said, okay, well, um, the only place I have growth need for is sales because I'm the only salesperson, and... We're getting big enough that I'm that you need more. driving to Syracuse for 40 minutes, wasting 40 minutes where I could be talking to someone and trying to make sales. And I was like, can you help with sales? She said, sure. She wanted to help. And so she moved into a sales role and she became a very prolific salesperson. Oh, good her name's her. Melinda Horton. You oh, yeah, her. I know her. Yeah, yeah she's I awesome. Do. She doesn't do. work for me anymore, but she's okay. amazing. Yeah. So anyway, she was our first real employee. We okay. had a couple of people help with things sure. you know, before her. but So then she just kind of took over in sales and became amazing. And then every time we've bottlenecked, I'd say, okay, I need a social media person. Okay. okay. I need a salesperson. So you're specializing. I need a billing person. And then I build a system around that person. And then I write everything down that they do in a Google doc, just so we okay. can have it in case that person leaves. Right. And right. Then, Cause you can't have it go with that person. That's right. what, so the first year we did the nine 11 event, we had an amazing intern from Weber state and she was awesome. And then she, Graduated and got married and moved away. They're like, wait, 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 we lost it because we hadn't really systemized it. She was she was dynamic and could step in and just be my right hand man. Yeah. And then she left. And so to be honest, that's one of the reasons I'm excited. Our 9-11 event is coming back home for yeah. us. I know the market. I know the people. I know the businesses. I know the venue. And this time we're putting it together with the thought of 
how do we systemize this? Right. How do we make it so another community could take it and run with it? Right. Versus the first time we did it, we never thought. In fact, I blatantly said we will only do this once. Right. It was a 20 The second time, second time was a gamble. Like, well, do you think do anybody would care? <laughs> well, we really thought, would anybody care? Like, it would, the 20th anniversary is only the 20th anniversary. Right. Only and after the second time, we realized that, you know, th- there will always be a place for this. It's, it's a, hist- a historical event, and if we plan right. it well, and if we make it valuable and educational, we'll never, I mean, maybe not never, but at least for a few years, we can pull right. this off. So that's exactly what we've started doing, is I've recognized I am the bottleneck. We made a list of 20 committees breaking the project down, and I looked at it, I'm like, oh, I probably was like the chair and sole member of 15 of these committees last year. No wonder I was a train wreck. And so now we have amazing community people who've offered to step in as volunteers and take that. But I'm finding now the gap is they're willing to do it. I've got experience with how it needs it done. I need to give it to them. Right. But I need to almost codify or systemize and then give them ownership. Right. But, you know, one of them said they'll help with... um, one element up. She's like, what do you want me to do? Oh, I, I have to give you the, I, right. to delegate, what I have to be mean? able to clarify the job. Right. And that's where I struggle. But we're getting, I mean, I'm so at least aware of that. Two things that I would recommend. One, record everything okay. somehow. Like like I use Google We use Docs a lot of Google Docs and Sheets. And, and organize that in a way that you can easily replicate that. Okay. No system is run without leadership, right? So you look at professional sports teams. These are the greatest athletes in the world, and yet they have a head coach. Sure. Can't, why can't they figure it out on their own? Well, mm, I like that. They need a coach. They need a leader. So the leader, though, is not irreplaceable. Okay. They're going to be different. So eventually, if you were to step away or want to step away, you would develop Or just focus a on leader. a piece but not 50 pieces. Correct. But you could leave eventually and sure. say, or just become an emeritus member and yeah. say, okay, here's the new leader. Okay. So organizations, successful organizations, have new CEOs. They All have the time. Executive in. director of a nonprofit. Sure. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So I actually volunteer on the United Way board. Oh, yeah. And they're awesome. And Julie Johnson just got made the new CEO okay. for Northern Utah. Okay. So they've got a new leader in place. So you're starting. And she's awesome. Okay. So you just have to realize that there will be people to take the mantle when it comes about. So okay. don't stress about that happening today unless you need it to happen today. No, no, no. I need to systemize today. Yeah. Or or that's that's so kind of our goal. First step is to record everything that okay. you're doing. Second step is to analyze whether that's the right or the the most effective thing to be doing mm. or to focus on. Because okay. there are times like when I hear twenty committees for one single event, I'm like it's too many. I would have five, and then those committees handle more things. And Got it. More people involved in each committee. Um, and maybe that's better said. Right. We we down. identified twenty jobs that we need twenty people to right. to take, and maybe we clump them. Correct. Okay. And then and then you have a leader of each of those committees. So when you become a powerful leader, it's when you lead leaders. Okay. So you develop the leaders in your organization, people who are as mm. passionate or more passionate than you are. They want to be part of it. They're willing to give up their time because you're like working that. with volunteers. You're right. Create leaders with them. Train them on how to be leaders. So in Connection Publishing right now, I have a, a lead graphic designer, he, Robert Dodd. He basically is at the head of our graphic design team. There's oh, about okay. six of them that do ads and do magazine design and all of those things. I have a brand new uh, Cindy Jones. I don't know if you know Cindy. She's local here. She's okay. awesome. 
awesome. But she just got promoted to be our editor. So she's over content. Okay. She's also a graphic designer. We're still a small business, so she right, does two right. things. So but she just is going to help make sure. But that that's the her voice leadership piece. Of our I love that you said good. leaders. You lead the leaders who right. then lead. Yep. The pieces. And then M. Okay. Park, who you know, yes. is our sales management leader. Okay. So she makes sure all the salespeople are doing the right thing. She keeps the stats. She does the billing. So she knows that their client has right. paid. Has the money in come the magazine, in. All of that. Right. So those are the three leaders in my organization. Okay. And I meet with them once a week and I teach them the philosophy why I do what, what I do, hmm. why it's important to me, what the voice should be. Of what so you're training, training them to be... To be me. To be you. Yeah. Or to at least understand Right, me. right. And Even as I say that, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. But you're, you're um, replicating, like you said, your, your passion and vision yeah. in a way that now you can grow it. Right. Okay. So this is good. This is good. Everybody who, you know, everybody needs to have their own personality and their own say in what they do. But as a business owner, there are some non-negotiables for me. Right. There are things right. that we're not going to do in the magazine. Right. So those non-negotiables, I have to communicate that. Right. But then they get some power to say, and okay, then they here's have some what ownership. we're doing here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because you don't want to micromanage. That's Well, I, I, when you're new, you have to. <laughs> and it drives you crazy because everybody's calling you for every question. And they're like, well, what about this? And what about this? And you're like, oh, my gosh, you decide. Like, I don't have to decide everything that's mm-hmm. happening here. But that only happens after you empower them. I was going to say, but they have to feel safe or confident that they can make and they need the to know your desires, what your non-negotiables are, and okay. what your core principles are. Oh, this are. is so good, Ryan. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Business Coaching 101. Yeah. Okay. And, and I, I don't know everything. So talking to Christy, having those mentors yeah. is so important because, I, you know, I, I'm i doing the best She would I can say the same here. thing, though. She would say, and she tells me all the time that I'm, I'm trying to spin too many plates. And the option is to either just take all the plates off and say that's it yeah. or let them all crash. Right. Or the third option, like, let's find some more plate spinners. Right. Oh, <laughs> okay. That's a good option. When I was, so I had a Cutco office back in the day. This was my very first I saw that job. on your, the recent TikTok that I, uh, nice picture oh, when yeah. you threw in your, I'm a Cutco guy with yeah. your trophy or yeah. whatever. That was great. <laughs> that was great. I had hair and I was a lot skinnier. <laughs> <laughs> we all were. <laughs> but I, um, I remember one of the leaders when he said, he said, your, your, your job become, you become successful at your job when you learn how to help other people rise to the occasion and you become a leader of leaders. Mm-hmm. And I remember that to that this day, how important that was. And when you're a brand new business though, I'll be honest, most of the time I was like, I can't afford to hire someone. Else. I know that's how where we I are. We, we fundraise to do the things we do and we don't fundraise to hire people, right. you know? So enroll them instead of hiring you okay. enroll people. And, and so Ann Park, who works for me now, and she gets her paycheck from me now, she actually came to me. The way I met her was she volunteered to write some hiking articles in the magazine. Oh. I enrolled her. She loved the magazine. She loves hiking. And she's like, I could write hiking articles about a lot of the trails I've been out on. Okay. I was like, that would sure. be awesome. I didn't pay her for that. So I enrolled someone who loved what we were doing. Who now, was interested later, in being a part of it. When I went to hire, I was like, this is a She'd be fit. a natural fit. Right. Okay. So... For now, I would say enroll people. You've got people who volunteer. We have people who love to help, and they're wonderful at it. You're helping me realize I I haven't 
trained them. I've, I've, I've given them pieces of the puzzle to run with, Yeah. but there's maybe that gap between what I am passionate about and what things I really, you choose. I mean, there are some that I'm like, right. you figure out the details and there are some things I'm like, let me tell you the details. Right. This is what I want. Right. The non-negotiables. Non okay. Yeah. This is good. Okay. So who is your, let's talk about, you've got two aspects to what you're doing. Okay. One is your end receiver. So this is the person that you're training or teaching or serving or Okay. All of the things we've already talked about. That person, we're going to talk about them. What they like, what they want, what they tell you they like about what you're doing. Okay. The other group is your volunteers because right. they're a crucial part of what you're doing as well. So same thing there. What do they like? Why do they like you? Why are they drawn to this situation? So okay. talk about both of those. Think okay. like they think. Be specific about what they like, what they're interested in, what motivates them, what's important to them, and what problem do they have? This is the actual question. Okay, yeah. What problem do each of them have that you That solve? we can solve. Okay, so if I just kind of talk to figure out what we're, what we think, um, I would say both of them. One thing that they like, and that I've heard a lot of feedback from, whether it's that end receiver, or the volunteer, is they like how they feel when they're involved, particularly how they feel about. It's, it's that patriotism. However, you define that, they they feel a sense of purpose. They feel that they made a difference. They feel impacted. And so if you, let's use the 9-11 event as just one microcosm. So if you come to the 9-11 event, people have said they they felt inspired. They felt motivated. They felt like they wanted to do something more because they were reminded sacrifice, freedom isn't right. free, uh, the tragedy. That tragedy reminded them I should maybe be more mindful with how I use my time, things like right. that. Volunteer side, same thing. They, they've they said how much they loved being a part of that opportunity and a part of that education so or reminder. So strong, they decided they, they want to help. Harder. They want to help. And, and to be honest, we joke, but there is a power when you touch a flag that big, whether it's at the 9-11 event or in the canyon or at a parade or football game. There's something about patriotism that when you say, what's the problem? Well, I think part of the problem is we're a divided community, nation, state, everything. And almost to the point that patriotism has become a bad word. It's, It's... being misconstrued, in my opinion, it's being misconstrued as an arrogance. Sure. Again, America's not perfect. I never said we were. But some people, I, I gave a TED Talk a couple of years ago about patriotism. Mm-hmm. And I had like a practice run before the actual day of, we brought some community members in to listen. And one of the audience members asked me, she's like, well, you're, you're giving this speech about patriotism and things, assuming the audience thinks patriotism is is good or valuable or what. And that almost floored me. Like, how can you, I hope the British are just as patriotic and the Germans and the Australians. I hope it's like your family or your high school, right? I hope you have a sense of pride in who you are, not the kind of pride that is arrogance or superiority. So part of the problem I seek to, I don't know if I can solve it, but address it. I think our nation and our communities are divided I think we're very isolated. Pandemic didn't help. Right. And even though we're not as physically isolated as we have been, we, we get isolated in our own lane, right? right? We do our thing. We have our goals. We have our agendas or what. And I think one problem I, I hope we're trying to solve is connection. 
And so connecting civilians with military members, because I I see one problem. There's not a lot of connection, particularly here where I live. Um, We are, I would say we're, we're overly all a patriotic state. I think Utah loves America. I I think you see lots of scouts and lots of guns and lots of American flags. Um, we also tend to be conservative, which but we're, is one we're, side of the aisle. It's one, we're for sure one side, and we don't, in this state, we don't send a lot of our young people into a uniform. We just don't, statistically. And that doesn't make us good or bad. In fact, I would say you don't have to be in the military to be a patriot. Sure. I'm a patriot as much as my husband. But I think there's that disconnect because specific to the military, they're less than 1% of America's population which means odds are 99% of us have nothing to do with them. Right. And yet they provide the freedoms we have. Same with police officers and firefighters and things like that. So I see a problem of disconnection between the services and those served. I see a disconnection between people of different backgrounds and professions. You know, one thing I see a, I see a disconnect. Um, you know, I was a stay-at-home mom for a long time. And stay-at-home moms are kind of in their own little category. And my sister was the, in my mind, my sister was the career mom, uh-huh. right? She still has kids, still has a family, values her family above all. That's sure. not different. But she was with those women. And I was with these women. Right. And I'm now kind of in the middle of both of those worlds saying, wow, both have a lot to offer. For sure. And all of us work like crazy. I don't know a single stay-at-home or career mom that's sitting around doing nothing. Right. You know? And so connecting, I like to connect young with old. I think the, the rising generation is really important to me. Um, sometimes they so, take for granted some of the things older generations helped make possible right. for us. And they, and they tend to call them old-fashioned. Sure, sure, outdated. Just, yeah, when sometimes it's just a matter of perception and that sure. communication. So here's the question then. Are you more concerned or more interested in convincing those that don't feel patriotism to feel that? Or would you rather continue to preach to the choir, so to mm. speak, and talk to those who already feel it and just bolster that feeling? I might need I might need help answering that because of course I would say well, I want people who don't feel it to feel it but I'm not looking to be confrontational and I don't know that I'm looking to convince anyone I think probably the latter okay. I think I'm looking to find people who when we either say something or do something or they're involved with us, they feel something within themselves. I didn't manipulate it or convince them. Sure. They felt a spark and then because of that spark they did something about it. I think I would say that's So more. when you're making your messaging and you're thinking about these things, consider who you're talking to. Because okay. you're, you're saying, well, someone's like, you're assuming that people are already patriotic. Yeah. So if that's the case, then yes, assume that. Okay. Because your audience, the people you're going to talk to, we can't talk to everybody. Sure. We can't communicate with every business owner. Not, right. Not all of them are going to catch what right. I say or And that's okay. And yeah. that's okay. Okay. So who's your tribe? Who's the people you're talking to? And to me, it's the people who are at least somewhat patriotic. Yes. I do. They yeah. are bolstered by association with you and your organization. Yes. So I would say it's people who have at least somewhere, whether they're aware of it yet or not, they have something intrinsic that is patriotism. And for me, patriotism is an appreciation. It, it's not an arrogance. Right. It's not even an identity as much as it's an appreciation. For me, I feel patriotic because I'm so grateful for what this country offers me, for what men and women have died so that I can have and yeah. do. And I have found we resonate, whether it's the served or those serving with us, 
with people who say, I, f- I feel that. Yeah. You know, I, you live in the same town I do. You were here with Brent. You were here with the community when Brent died. It's as if something ignited. It was yeah. right before Election Day, right before Veterans Day. People that I've known for 20 years said, I, I voted for the first time because your husband. I, I, I pay more attention. It's on my radar more. Right. And that spark is what I'm looking for in other yeah. people. And I don't it's necessarily want to force sometimes it. Sometimes it takes tragedy for it, those yeah. things to happen. But, I mean, yeah. he was a popular politician so much so that he ran his second term unopposed. No right. wanted to go up against right. him. Right. Which I think says something. But there were definitely opponents. For sure. So to say, you know, but I think we unified. It didn't matter whether. Yeah. Uh, Some of the clamor against him it. politically was, was quieted with, I think, with respect for the fact that he died for our country. Whether right. you agree with him politically or not, right. there's room to say, I did not like that guy personally. I don't agree with He died for our country. Right. Let's have an, an air of unified. respect. Yeah. I'm looking for that. I'm looking for opportunities in young people to feel a part of something bigger than themselves. Going back to that youth leadership program and and things. I'm looking to help people realize what they do could actually make a difference in the big picture of our, our, our community, but also our country. I really think that. So I don't know why this is popping in my head, but you know Dave Ramsey. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is Dave Ramsey known for? He's known money for management. Money management, right? <laughs> Fiscal responsibility. And it's a very specific type of money management. Yep. What kind of debt should you go into? Sure. You should never go into no, debt. No, never debt. Yeah. <laughs> pay off the mortgage, pay for everything yes. cash, rice and beans, beans and rice. Yep. So I don't know if you know this, but my one of my favorite books, top top five probably, is a leadership. And I don't even like Dave Ramsey's. Oh, his to entree, money. Entree, entree leadership. leadership. I've seen it online. Is one of my favorite books really? of all time. And I don't agree with everything because as a business owner, I utilize debt to right. accomplish goals. And I look at uh, his approach and I'm like, that doesn't work. If you're an employee, that works great. But as a business owner, it just doesn't work. I don't take a lot of personal debt on in my own life. But right. we have a lot of debt as a business. Right. Because every time we grow, we say, okay, we got to take and use this strategically. Right. Dave probably and it's, wouldn't agree and with And it's intentional and strategic, sure. But he probably wouldn't agree with no, me on that. He He's wouldn't. a no debt ever guy, right? <laughs> so, And that's okay. But that leadership book has had a significant impact on me, and you should read it. Okay, I think I have it. I don't think I've read ever it. read it, so I'm going to go home and dig it out of my it's books. It's very practical, very okay. easy to read, and he is a leader. But the reason I say it's interesting is because you talk about these, like building your leadership training for youth. And for me, these are programs within the Jenny Taylor brand, whether you call it that or not. Sure, sure. I like it because you do stand out. You do have, uh, you know, you do have a, a draw to you, a presence, and you, you're not a uh, wilting flower. You know, you definitely yeah. stand up and you say what you believe and love and think, and I, and that's great. I love that. I, Thank I've you. always loved strong people. I've never yeah. felt intimidated by them. Some people are like, they're so arrogant. Like, I know. I, I have my own enemies, I promise. <laughs> we all do. And it's hard not to listen to them. But so, but I think within your brand, you say, here's our ideals. Here's the things that we're going for and we're going to accomplish. And each of the programs under those are just programs. They're programs that fit within those ideals. Right. So Dave Ramsey, the reason he wrote Entree Leadership, he started in his kitchen talking to people about their personal budgets and how to get out of debt and grew it into a, a business. multi-million dollar, right. maybe billion dollar sure, empire. Sure, sure, who knows? Right? He had to have leaders. Yeah. And so he wrote Entree Leadership 
to help his leaders know how he wanted them how to, to run the business. So that's why I find power in that. And okay. I use it all the time in my business. So I really do think I have a copy at home. Yeah, it's a great one. So yeah. anyway, okay. I, the reason that's popping in my head is because his brand is built around him. He's the one hundred percent. He's the one it's on Dave. the radio, and I appreciate but it's a huge company. And it's but it's him, and it doesn't speak to everyone. And he doesn't try to make it speak to everyone. Right. Like you're helping me realize that his he's targeting people who agree with what he's saying, and they feel that spark and say, "This fits with me. I'm going to run. It resonates. I'm going to run with him." Versus trying to find the universal. This fits yeah. with everyone because it won't. Right. That's like helpful for me. That's your, uh, Seth Godin talks about the minimum viable audience. Okay. You need a minimum amount of people for something to work, right? Sure. I need a minimum number of advertisers in my right. publications. Or you readers, can't sustain. Or I can't sustain. So what's your minimum viable audience? And it do, that doesn't mean the ma- that doesn't mean you can't go for the maximum. It just means I need this many people you need your to core. like what I'm saying and okay. we can operate. So. Because I would love that. Like I look at people, again, back to social media and influencers and things. I'll see people that make a video or a TikTok or a blog post or something. And I think I could do that. I could take, I, I can give a 45 minute speech all day, but right. I could take two minutes of it in one little tip. I could, I don't necessarily know how yet to, to brand that. But when I watch different, I'm like I could do that. Yeah. I could do, and that I could provide for my so, children that way. I could pay for my story? Disneyland vacation that way. <laughs> Here's a funny story. I, I set a goal to do this probably three years ago. I only started in November. your video, right? I've been watching, right. yeah. And so that's how this conversation came about. Right? Uh-huh. But yep. I started. I, I mean, this has been a long-term goal that I was too afraid to do, because you have all these like self-insecurities. You have all these like personal, you know, visual things that you're like, I'm old and ugly now. I don't do this, <laughs> you know. So all of those things have been in my mind. But I said, I said, okay, I'm doing this. I'm not going to make any excuses anymore. So I made my first video and I served my mission in the Philippines. And one of my companions, who is Filipino, but born and raised in the, in the United States, okay. calls me and he's like, hey, I'm coming through town. Can I come see you? Sure. So he comes over and we're visiting. We come here in my office and I sit and I had my video, my first video I'd ever recorded. These little padded things weren't even on the wall. Okay. So it was a white wall. We had just painted because I was like, this office is looking shabby. We got to make it It needs to be fresh. Nice. Sure, yeah. sure. So we had just painted, so it was white. It's echoey because I don't have right, the stuff Right, you didn't up. have the sound stuff. And I do it, and he's like, he watches it, and he's like, why are you so nervous? And I was like, dude, I am so out of my mind nervous. I've wanted to do this. this for so long. Yeah. And he's like, that doesn't even sound like you. He's like, you're just so beside yourself. It's my first video. Interesting. And, and I talked to Melissa. And, and he I knew said, you was a 20-year-old. Yeah. And I, you know, we've been friends for a long time. He knows yeah. that I'm not super shy. I'm not, sure, you know, sure. uh, that way. But I told my wife, I'm like, I'm posting that video. I'm posting that one. And you can watch. It's my very first video. I'm going to go look it up. Because... I want to be able to look back on that. Since I've made progress. I'm now dealing with nervousness with TikTok. I think there's a time, that time limit thing with the little videos. I'm like, I'm like, I can talk on YouTube and if it takes five minutes, that's okay. Yep. Even if my goal was three. Yeah. You don't run out of time. You don't run out of time. So I don't know why, but it intimidates me. YouTube doesn't intimidate me anymore. It's only been three months and I feel fine. You feel you know, comfortable just, there. Okay, here we go. So TikTok, I'm working on, you know, because that one's a little bit trickier. So I think the best piece of advice from today is if you feel like that's something you want to do, and I agree with you, I think you should, and I think you should 
not worry so much about saying something wrong or doing it wrong at first. Just start doing it. Because three months from now, you're going to be very comfortable in those shoes and you're going to be able to say, okay, here's how I want to do this. So I had one little advantage and you have your talks, so you can use that as well. I had snippets of information already because I had created it for my clients. So I took this and I wrote down everything I wanted to talk about. Now what's interesting is I keep a little note in my phone. Anytime something pops in my head. Oh, that's like, smart. I should be able to talk about this. A quick idea. I put it in my notes and it's long now. So I'll probably never get through all of sure. it. Sure. But I have. But that means you'll never about. worry about content. Right. Today I could talk about this. I could talk about that. Yeah. Okay. And I'm in the content business with magazines. So I know how valuable content is in content creation. But I was never in front of a camera being like, everybody right. look at me. You know, I so... I, I'm doing that now because I want I want to be able to teach. And if you can't ever teach someone if you don't stand up and say, "Here's what I believe." Here's what I'm teaching. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, start start recording. Okay. Okay. What's let's see. Being unique isn't enough. You must solve problems. So I think the problems you said is there's a there's maybe maybe it's I I'm trying to come up with the words, but maybe it's an apathy. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a you know. A, I mean, we all face it. I, I'm a very patriotic person, too. I love our country, and I, um, I honor our military, and I love all that we do. Anytime any kind of situations come up in our publications, sure. I've had, you know, I take the opportunity to help promote um, our, our country, the patriotism, all of those things, and, and I, it's really important to me. Now, that being said, I can be... Uh, I can have apathy as well. I can well, and we get busy. Get yeah, busy we get distracted. There's so much going on. So many things pulling at you. So, mm-hmm. so I think that's uh, part of it is overcoming that apathy that happens with not remembering things and not like 9/11. You know, the 20th anniversary created an opportunity for you to develop this event. Well, now you can do that every year. That was a that was an impactful moment. I don't. I remember how our country unified after mm-hmm. that. We all we've always right. we are always going to have political divide. Sure. So and I and I have a lot of respect for both sides. I say you know what I get that they're p- passionate people on both sides of every argument, and our country's amazing because we can take our faults and turn them into strengths. Right. Unlike most places, we'll say. Okay, this is a problem. And then we fight like crazy uh-huh. over that problem. And try and to find a solution. Side, yep. And we're usually better. And there's usually one side that was wrong and one side that was right. right. But and it's a fight. Reason, I mean, it, it takes that conflict of, yep. of differing opinions, but we create space for that. We do. I love that part about our country. And I look at it and I'm like, even though when we're in the moment of our faults, right, and we're like, see this? This yeah. is bad what you guys are doing. We, we say, one side might say, no, it's not. And the other side says, yes, it is. But then they clash over it and out hopefully and something rises. comes something better that we can say that's good for us. And yeah. that we're a better place because we fought over this. So, right. so anyway, I think apathy would be number one. Um, I think obviously that desire to give back. So if someone is, you know, let's say they're a 60-year-old. Uh, they have a desire to give back. They can't join the military. Right, right. They can't do that. But yeah. they could come help. But they could come volunteer. Raise the flag. Yep. They could come help at the 9-11 event. They could host field trips. Yeah, absolutely. So it provides that opportunity, too. So I think... And I, I do appreciate you say the opportunity. We... I feel like we overcome the apathy by providing the opportunity. 
Yeah. Right? We, 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 we ignite patriotism. We don't invent it. Yeah. We ignite patriotism by creating opportunities to serve. To engage as a community, or as we were so write that down. We ignite patriotism by creating meaningful opportunities to serve, or to engage. I mean, I don't know the right words, but my problem, Ryan, is I can, like I said, give me forty-five minutes, I will teach you something. You want me to be concise in a sentence? (laughs) So I told Charles this on my last podcast. I said, "Like a one-liner, nuggetize." Okay, nuggetize. It's take that concept and teach it many, many times over. Sure. With the little nuggets, okay. the little pieces. Yep. It's the same thing with leadership. Okay. You can't teach them all, everything, in one sitting. Okay. That's why Dave wrote his book. So he could break it down. Here's, and the, say, here's the pieces. Here's the theory, the and philosophy. And I think back to that nine eleven and the 20, that's where I started to break down. Okay, here's the 20. Here's, here's what 20 different people, you know, whether they work together in committees or not, I guess, is we can organize that better. But... 20 nuggets. There's 20 nuggets yeah. that make this event all come together, and there's no need for one person to try to do all the nuggets. Right. Yeah, and if you had three that each managed. Yes. That's Now that you've said that, my, my thoughts are spinning. Each. If we got a handful of them to be, because a huge piece of that one is education field trip related there's six or seven what i'm now calling committees that probably shouldn't be their own but jobs. coordinating with the pta jobs yeah coordinating with the pta coordinating with the bus drivers coordinating you know those could all be one and right. i could have one volunteer kind of head that up one volunteer could head up kind of the community side yeah no this is going to be good i'm going to go home and look at my list and try to group okay. group them so thank you so the final uh, question that i usually ask but we've actually covered this pretty well okay is to remember that facts tell and stories sell hmm. as you mentioned to me you said you know the story that brent has passed away is four and a half years old it's not as alive in people's minds right. anymore. and in fact i know personally that you've received criticism for why are you always talking about your dead husband right right, right. and i want to remind you that that might not be one of your tribe and that's okay the person who says that to you and just let them not be <laughs> I know. the second part is your story, the foundation of your story, is ever connected to Brent and to his legacy and to you. So, and your union, you know, your marriage yeah. was, you know, an important part of life and important part of what this is. You could have just turned away from all of this and said, leave me alone. I don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. You did not do that. So you rose for up. For better or for worse. walked through the door. Yeah. I feel like in, I walked through words. the door. So use the story... Um, I wouldn't say use the story. That that word has a bad connotation. I know what you mean, though. But that's good to hear. The story doesn't expire. It doesn't. Like, I haven't worn it out. It doesn't. It's the reason why when you write your book, you're going to get published. Because of the story, right? Yeah. The story's powerful. Utilize that story. Utilize that. Get, give your voice more power because of the story behind it. And your volunteers, your followers, your tribe, they're going to love you because of your story. They're going to be endeared to you. They're going to feel for you because you, I know I do. I feel for you. I remember the moment I ha- found out your husband passed away. I was sitting in church fulfilling a duty at church. And I was kind of done, but I had to wait for everybody else to do their stuff. So I was sitting in a chair and I pulled up my phone and turned on Facebook and I found out. And I bawled. And it was emotional. It's still emotional to me. Mm -hmm. So I think 
don't ever shy away from that. Don't ever turn from that story and that background that is give gave you the motivation to do this and be here and to. I appreciate that because there are times when those negative voices make me feel like I should just, you know. Yeah. But that what I hope when I tell my story or Brent's story or our family story, I hope people see they have their own story. And the details of mine are different from the details of yours, but really we've all lived the same story, right? We all have a dream, a goal, something goes right, something goes wrong. We have to decide if we get back up or not. Yeah. And we all want to just live happily ever after. I mean, same story, right? Plug in the details. Okay, then I need your class on how to write a book. So you've mentioned all the things. (laughs) I'm writing mine right now. Are you? So we can take that class together. That's exciting. I mean, I'm taking this. Are you just taking what you've done and making it a book? Well, there's more to it. Every time you publish, I'll just tell you this. When you publish a book, unless you're, unless I'm just weird, this is my third edition in four years. So when you're done, you realize all the things you've left. Sure. Out. It's like I'll give and a speech. Your mistakes. And after a speech, I'll be like, oh, I wish I could give that again. If yeah. I could give that again, I would tweak this. I would add that. I'd probably take that part out. Yeah. So, so I get it. I, but I, but you can only start by starting. My approach to doing anything that's quote unquote challenging is to just do it. Okay. So there's a book. I haven't even read the book. I think it's funny. It's sitting on my shelf behind you. But Like Entree Leadership at my house? Yeah. <laughs> the book is called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. I've heard of it. And I have never read the book. Okay, I we're going to both read it. it. We're going to do a book club. I'll be honest. I don't know that it's a, a particularly engaging book. Okay. But the title but is the so concept. powerful that I've used it as motivation for most I of mean, my I mean, that's courage, career. right? Yeah. Courage is doing it anyway. Courage is not the absence of fear. Yeah. People, I think people think that. I, people, you know, you look at our story and, and grief and everything. I think sometimes people will think, well, we're not sad or we're not afraid or I'm not scared to death of what right. I'm doing. It's like, no, than yeah, no, no, it's, it's, and in fact, it was one of my church leaders that used the word courage first. It really resonated with me. Because he didn't say, oh, you're a great speaker, or, oh, you're this, or oh, you're that. He said, you've shown great courage because it's been hard or scary or overwhelming and intimidating, and you've tried your best anyway. So apply that same thing to any little task, like writing a book, starting a TikTok, doing a, a YouTube channel. Just apply it there and say, okay, I feel fear in this. I feel what I do, fear and overwhelm. Let me show you. And I don't I know where to start. nervous to do podcasts. Oh, okay. So I sat down and I wrote out, all right, what would I talk about? Okay. What would I be interested in? How would I do this? Someone has a startup business that I want to highlight. Or someone has a business that they want help with, marketing, business tune-up. Okay. I went through and decided, what's the best way to do it? Is it the best way? I'm sure it's not. I'll develop better ones later. Well, and I think that's one thing that surprised me because I'll look at like the influencer world. The same way you're looking at the leadership world. And there's a million people already doing it. It's easy to convince yourself there's not room or need for me. And then other people keep doing it. So there must be, there's just an infinite audience. Starting is easy. Finishing or or continuing continuing. is hard. So So there are a lot of starters. There's very few that continue to stick with it. Yeah. So set a schedule. Like I know every Wednesday I'm going to create content and I'm going to post content. Does it happen every Wednesday? No, but you better believe it happens every week. Okay. Is that yours is weekly? It's weekly. Okay. That's all I can afford time-wise. Sure. I was going to say, I don't know how people do daily or or what. It it may, they're probably better at that off the, off the cuff, which maybe we'll develop later. Sure. We'll get more confident. But you're starting with. Off the cuff. But for me, 
I needed to be organized. I needed to say, okay, here's the things that matter to me. Here's the, the subjects I want to talk about. You know, here's, here's who I'm serving. I, I actually define it. I sit down like this and I say, okay. who, who am I serving? Who's and my so audience for me, today? It was you, advertisers, business owners who have businesses that aren't sure what to do. Right. That feel intimidated by it. You know, those were who I wanted to talk to. And so that's when I, that's when I started. And I, you'll like it when you, I mean, you know me, you know, maybe not quite yeah. as well as, as Jerome knows me, but he was like, why are you so nervous just watching yeah. that video? But you'll, you'll think it's funny, yeah. but I'm going to leave it there because I, I think it's a reminder. It's that reminder of like, okay, that's where I started. And I'm hoping three years from now I can look back and then just that laugh. And like, oh yeah. man, look how bad yeah. that was. But you jumped in anyway. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So what do you think about this? Um, we can we can adjust this, but we you kind of had a little, what I consider a breakthrough there, where you say we ignite patriotism by giving people the opportunity to serve. Yeah. I love that. I think it's powerful. How, does that serve people? Does that sell? I mean, again, I'm not, story? I'm not selling a knife in a block, I'm right? A knife. And, and you're not talking to your opponents. No. You're talking to your tribe. Okay. Does that tell your tribe a story about what you do? Yes, I, I think so. I think so, too. Because it's not just we give you a chance to serve. I'm deliberately helping you serve in ways that... And I like the word ignite because what you hit on... And I'm not trying to plant patriotism in you or dig it out from within you. I want to ignite it if it's there. Right. And if it's there, then I'm going to ignite it. And I want it to be a flame... Because right. you've had opportunities to grow that. So, yes, and I, I feel good that about you that. Partner with Follow the Flag because yeah, they're awesome. A, I mean, for people who don't live in this community, it is just such an incredible thing. So, we have this for those of you that don't live here, we live right at the foot of the Wasatch Mountains, and we have a canyon up here. North Ogden is, you know, right at the base of these mountains, and then there's a canyon called Coldwater Creek Canyon, which is not really even a creek because nothing comes I out. I know, just cold but, water. Yeah, <laughs> lots of cold melted snow, but there I guess. is a creek. It does come yep. out underground down at the bottom, mm -hmm. and it does, when it's wet in the spring, sure. it does flow, but not usually. But it's this massive expanse, and it takes quite an undertaking. Oh, it's massive. Yeah. That. But the, the patriotism that it ignites, that's such a powerful it's that ignite in our community, is huge. People drive. I've gone up and hiked or been at the base of it taking pictures or looking at it with our kids. And I'll see someone and we'll talk. And they're like, oh, we're from South Dakota. Oh, wow. We heard about this. We wanted to we come, see, come it. see it. And we, we missed it last year, so we came this year. And I'm like, wow, like it's dri driving people. Yeah. And this is not a tourist community. We do not no, have no, a we are not. No, we're there's we're no draw bedroom. here. Yeah, Maybe more to Ogden because of the snow sure, and the skiing, and the skiing, but not North Ogden. No, <laughs> nobody comes here. And they've here. been great. So we started, you know, Follow Flag in Pleasant Grove, and then some friends up here organized a North Ogden chapter. And then we, we kind of partnered with them, and then there's a, a new group that's the ones who actually hang the flag called Honor the Hero. Mm -hmm. And they uh, a lot of them are search and rescue guys that know how to repel and cross ravines. In fact, last year in November when we took the flag down, we, I mean, I'm not the one hanging or taking the flag down personally. <laughs> yeah. Honor the Hero guys were up there getting the flag down. We had some volunteers up to help carry it down, and it got stuck on the line. Oh. 
And I mean, the line is just massive, yeah. right? Across a thousand feet across the canyon it's a big or something. Metal cable, right? It, it's a metal cable, and and Rob Clark, who's uh, I I think he's he's the founder director. I'm not sure what his title is with Honor the Hero, but he pretty much is Honor the Hero. He clipped his carabiners to that line and shimmied out like a little koala on a stick wow. to go get that flag. I mean, it was crazy, but yeah, they're awesome. And um, that's awesome. There is something awesome about that seeing. A flag that size in a mountain that beautiful, yeah. it does ignite something. And not for everyone. And I'm, I'm glad you're helping me remember um, it's not for everyone. Yeah. And that's okay. Critics are going to be there, and they can be there. You just you can ignore them. Okay. That's easier said than done. But I know it is because we're it's human, important. right? We want to yeah. be liked. I, you know, I have plenty of critics. And with something this personal, when people say mean and awful things, it's not saying, hey, I don't like the shirt you're selling. It's... Right. I usually interpret as I don't like your dead husband, which is probably not what they said, but that's that's what it comes across as. So I've got to get better thick skin working on it. Yeah, I mean, that's a work in progress for me too. You know, critics, I I stew over them and they make me frustrated and sad and all those things. And they just get in your way. They do. I don't have energy for that. I try to teach my kids, and I'm trying to teach myself this when I do it, but don't let them take up rental space in your head. Oh my gosh, I love that. So kick them out. Kick them out. <laughs> okay. If you're the landlord. Kick them out. All so. right. So what do I do now? Okay. So this gives you a foundation. Yes. You can add to this, take away whatever. Uh, you know, this gives you a foundation of okay. Yes. Here's our story. Here's the unique selling point behind what we unique do. Selling point. Okay. Now that you have that, now it's about developing messages around that and around each of these events. So when you're advertising, right, you advertise in the magazine. Yep. So for listeners, she does a military spotlight each month in our publication. It is a highlight of a military person or family um, in the community. Yeah, current or veteran. Yeah. And those are great stories. So develop messaging around. Does that ignite... Does that answer this question? Does that ignite patriotism by giving people the opportunity to serve? And and or highlighting those who've taken that opportunity to serve. Yeah. And maybe and this needs to adjust so yeah. that you can say both. So we're trying to develop one. We're developing a new um, food website. It's called What to yes. Eat for Dinner with the number four. And we were working on our USP yesterday, actually. Really? And I was like, the main people we're trying to serve are busy people who don't want to eat out all the time. Right. Right. The people who want to eat out all the time. Go for it. That's fine. Go for it. I'm not trying to talk to you. Mm -hmm. That's not my tribe, Mm -hmm. right? No, I am your tribe. I'm very interested in that. to eat at home, but don't have time to sit down and make a meal plan. And it gets crazy. And make a shopping list. Go to the store and get it. So we've developed a meal plan. Now, you don't have to eat everything on the meal plan. Sure. But you could. But it's ideas. It gets it going. Add it to a shopping list. Take that with you to the store and buy. Eventually, we're going to build an APIs where you can send it through Instacart or send yeah. it to Smith's and they'll and buy it for you. And grocery delivery. And then you sure. can go pick it up. That's what we want. We're developing that. But all of those things, like, that's our audience. Okay. People who want to cook. Who want to eat at home but don't want to have the but just need session. a help. Yep, need need help getting to that. That's yep. me for sure. Yeah. Okay, so ignite pages and people the opportunity to serve, and maybe you throw in something about honoring those who serve. I mean, how for do you sure. how do you expand it without making it again so, so vague? Ours, I have it right here. This Let's is, see. After a lot of negotiation and talking, here's what we came up with, and then. 
this will adjust over time because you'll, you'll sure you tweak it as you you so refine it. Saddleback leather. Have you ever uh -huh. heard of them? Really high quality bags and yep. boots and belts and things like that. Well, theirs is they'll fight over it when you're dead. I guarantee they didn't come up with that at the very beginning. <laughs> Right. They probably right. said stuff like, we want it to last so long it goes for yeah. generations. Right. We want it, you know, something so good. People uh, just understand that it's, it's going to last. It's a one. It's a lifetime purchase. Right. Yeah. That's they funny. didn't come up with that at first, but they have it done. now. Okay. So here's ours now. It may adjust, but yummy meals and easy grocery shopping for busy people. Oh, yeah. Right. Concise, clear. Uh -huh. When I tell you that, you're like, ooh. I'm interested in that. You know, uh -huh. instantly, because our family situations are similar, right? Right, just crazy. we got a bunch of kids. You're, you're running to volleyball. You're yep. running to baseball. Yep. You're running to soccer. All of those things. Yummy you got meals. scouts. Then you got young women's. And then you got, you know, it's yep. just how it our is. lives are. We're very similar. So these are the people we're talking to. Okay. They're busy. Busy people. But they want to cook at home and they want to shop. I would say I would even put a home... A home cook, yummy meals. I can, I can get a yummy meal at McDonald's, I guess. But true, I like that it's the grocery shopping. Yeah, the busy people. And you don't have to cover everything in this sentence okay. because you're still going to have your things like train, owner, and engage. Right. Those those and the programs are, expand. Right. Okay. So as we talked, we came up with things like meal plan check, grocery list check. Yep. Well, that's marketing or advertising. That's portraying what we're trying to portray in a message, okay. that nuggetized message again. Right. But our actual motivation is ignite, and yours could actually shorten probably, we ignite patriotism. Through service? Through service. See? You just did it right yeah. there. Hold on. <laughs> the, the Look at that. Because Through it service. could be the service of the military or the firefighters, or right. it could be the service project we're hosting. So, so see how as you go, this may morph, but that is going to motivate everything you do. So, when you come to this one and you're like, okay, flags, what are we doing here? And is it right. accomplishing our See, story? and that fits the military in your magazine, that fits what we're doing. It does. We're patriotism through his service or her service, right? Or yours or mine or our service, right? Okay. And the scholarship is yeah. this doing this as well. What are, and if it's not, do we either do change we the change? program or do we do a different program instead of that? Okay. Right. So you ask that question, and then as you've got those questions answered for your main programs, let's say you have four, three. I kind of had three down here, but then you yeah. also had the monument. So there's a possible yeah. fourth that could fit it with the flags. It, it, yeah, we put them. We put them together so in terms have, of like how we organize it. Right. So you have three sections of your company mm -hmm. or your organization, right? It's not a company, but sure. you have section one, section two, section three. Yep. Okay. Within each section, you're going to break down each of those things and you're going to say, okay, I really want to focus on this with this section. So honoring military, you know, through our events, through these things, how are we going to do that best? Well, we can, you know, it bring in more people to this event or we can bring in more awareness we're going to do that through this like you're answering this question for each section of your business and then you're fine-tuning each program to match that goal and that okay. overall mission okay so this is similar to like a mission statement it's just right. a lot smaller and a lot more concise well, so that that nugget. Say, i like that word yeah Nugget. Nugget. Nugget eyes. So. What'd you call it? Nuggetize. Nuggetize. Yeah, I love it. That's Nuggetize. Ryan spelt I like right it. <laughs> no, I do like that. Um, it makes me look at our scholarships. Our scholarships are very service and leadership focused, like in the applications and things, but we haven't yet included patriotism in 
in that application. Right. So maybe that's something we need to kind of refine. Right. Because service can be very broad, and yep. that's great. But if that's our if that's our market, then we we might need to fine tune that. Right. Okay. So this is obviously just the beginning. There's a lot right. more to be done, but. Now you have a framework, and you also can say these are questions you can ask about different parts of the business too, okay. or similar questions that you know you say, okay, what's the story behind it. this? Why are we doing this scholarship? What does it do? Okay. What does it help us with? What is it? Where does it does fit? It, what is it? How does it ignite? And if it doesn't, then again, either change it right. or come up with a new program that does that. That's that separate. Replaces okay. It. So, okay. So you could have. I mean, this could be kind of the overall foundation, but that could be a separate. Correct. If you need to. Okay. Yeah. Very helpful. And I think you have those answers for each of these. And then you say, okay, who's going to help? Who's in charge of flags? Now you eventually develop your leadership. It doesn't have to be everybody. Like I ran sales for, I've run sales for many years. I still actually primarily sure. for sales in my company because that's my background. Right. And so, um, but I've developed those leaders, right? So now I have, it used to be every design question came to me because I definitely was opinionated. Oh yeah. And, and, and I, and I, and you I own too. this. Yeah, right. it's very close to my soul. But eventually I had to say, okay, you're handling all the little stuff that's going to come up and making those decisions. I'm going to help you on the big ones. Okay. And then... And you've had enough handle... communication that they can confidently represent you right. in that. That's where I've probably not done enough. And that's good for me to think well, about. People will also have skills that you don't have. Right. I am not a graphic designer. No. Me neither. I cannot do that. So I need someone with those skills, but then I train them. So on you help I'm paint that, in. right, that, that direction and then right. let them run with it. Okay, this yeah. is good. So the next step for you, I would say, is take and write down your three organizations or your three focuses and say, okay, um, here's what I, the non-negotiables, here's what I want in this part. Okay. Here's what I want in this one. And here's what I want in this one. And then as you're enrolling people and marketing to them to enroll, right, to become part of it, or you already have them. I know you have people already who are there ready and willing. Right. As you're enrolling them, you're teaching them, here's what I want, and I want you to be in charge of it. Okay. And they'll say, okay, I can do that. I know what I you want. I can do that. And yeah. I'm going to use my own intuition, my own skills, and my own education to make it awesome. So, see, this is big because I, again, I never run a business or anything. So, we have a whole bunch of volunteers, and then we have me, like in yeah. terms of leadership team. I have a board of advisors that we meet with in terms of big picture, but I haven't formed, like, I mean, for all intents and purposes, employee positions. Whether they're paid right. or not, that, that same structure of leadership, who's the supervisor of... And we've started using the word coordinator. Who's coordinating this? Who's coordinating that? And I'm not paying you, but I am empowering you to run that. Right. And that's, I think, this is this is going to be really good because we either all get together as a whole bunch of volunteers or I stress over to my house by myself. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's not that middleman. Well, the, I can get together with 400 people. The volunteer isn't expecting to be paid anyway. They came to help sure. because no, they were right. inspired. Yeah. You ignite it, and they give, and that. they give, and do great things. And they'll be willing to say, I'm, "I'm in charge of this." Yeah. We just started that business alliance. You, Christy, yes, Christy yeah. and I, and she said it went people great. People were like, "I want to help." Yeah. I want to help. Right. They want to help because they understand the value of having a unified business. Because you guys, you guys have ignited something. Right. right. Yeah. So. 
the people who didn't come to that meeting, well, that's okay. Maybe they're not interested in it. Sure. But we've got enough of them. We can say, okay, you let's can already do start. something here. So you have those people already. Now it's a matter of helping them realize, okay, I want this to be your baby. I okay. want you to create this into something even better. Here's what I for sure want out of it, but take it and run. And, and of course, so... A weekly meeting is, is important, you know, okay. running an organization, communication. So when you when we have our weekly meetings with my leaders, I have them come and they say three things to me. What did you accomplish this week? And I, I learned this from someone else, but okay. what did you accomplish this week? What problems or issues are you having that I need to step in and help you with? Okay. Right? You're the blocker. You're the offensive line blocker. Got it. They're the running back, the quarterback in their organization, and they're okay. part of your organization, right? Okay. So you're the blocker. How can I help you? What do you need me the, to do? The third thing is, what are your priorities this week? Okay. So when you go over their priorities for the week, then you say, okay, I think, you know, remember there's this to accomplish as well. Maybe we should move that up on your priority list. Okay. Right. So you're as a leader, you're helping them, A, be accountable for what they've done, B, be a blocker for them if they need it, and C, what is it, what are you focused on now? Well, I want to really make sure we get the cupcakes for this event. Well, have you gotten the chairs? Nobody can eat cupcakes if they don't have chairs to sit in at uh-huh. this event, right? So, like, so as a leader, you're thinking about the overall picture and saying, oh, yeah. Did we skip a piece? Yeah. Did I skip it? Do I need to? Am I missing something? Okay. Eventually, when you have really powerful leaders, they, they won't really need that. But you're right. just thinking but you're, together. But you're growing it. Right. You're thinking together at that point. You're like, okay, let's talk about what's next. It's not... Here's what I need. You, they already know it is to be done. Yeah. But sometimes you've got to group think Direction. and say, okay, oh yeah, we got to do this. You know, we're, we're six months out from this event. We got to make sure the event place is booked. Things. Do you like have that. a venue before you have chairs and cupcakes? Yeah. Right. So, so okay. I think think about your leaders. Think about those, and then each week, or if you want to do it biweekly. I mean, you're a right. foundation. It's a little different. I was going to say we're not like at the office or right. on a payroll, and most of these people have other jobs. Correct. That. We've got to think. Do you so mean you could even do it monthly other yeah. than around your events where right. you're busier. Right. So, but these are the things they bring to that meeting to okay. say, okay, here's what I accomplished. Here's what I've, I need help with. And here's what I'm focused on. Okay. It's going to be awesome. It's like we just launched a company. Yeah. <laughs> no, you I'm did that so, four years ago. I know. I'm so in over my head, right? <laughs> this is awesome. Thank you. I'm sure I'll be back for more. Well, and I'm excited about the Alliance. I told Christy, sign me up. I want to be in. I want to be a part of it. I think there's a good need for it. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're awesome. Thank you. You're inspiring. Oh, thanks, Ryan. Keep it going.